KTCK AM Dallas Fort Worth, KTCK FM Flower Mound, a Cumulus Media Station. I'll just find a gal that's a really good kisser. See if she can pull it out. Okay. Um, wow. What the hell's wrong with these? So. <laughs> Jordan's been wearing whatever underwear armor wants to give him. Mm -hmm. What's underwear armor? The underwear armor. Under, ar yeah. under armor. <laughs> that's a new bit. Not reading him right. He goes, you know, sometimes the hole, you look at the hole and it's gigantic. And some days you look at the hole and it looks like a, a pea cup. And, and he, pea cup. A little pee, like the size of a pee. Get your hand out of the gun. Pee cup. <laughs> <laughs> a pee cup. A pee cup. Mark that. Yeah. Why don't we do that for a hole-in-one? We'll give away a million dollars if you can get a hole-in-one in a pee cup. How big is a pee cup, Craig? <laughs> Eli, stop laughing, man. I don't even know what a pee cup is. <laughs> Obviously, Craig does. How many of those do you have installed in your house? <laughs> What's the upside to switching balls? Shut the hell up. I get away with a lot of murder. Straight cash money, homie. I have a golf cart. Go golf! Old school bitch. Abu Dabu. Well, howdy ho and good morning. It is roughly 8 o'clock a.m. on Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, The Ticket. It's a Saturday, January 27th, so it's, if it's around this time, on this day, for the last 30 years, 30, you have the tea box. We're broadcasting from the greatness of Crest Cars today. Crest Infinity, Volvo, and Cadillac. Great deals. End-of-the-month deals. This is when they need to move stuff out. So they're very motivated to sell you a new or pretty awesome pre-owned car. Eli Jordan is here today. Hello. Good morning. Morning to you, sir. We only have the two box today because Craig was is in Florida. He attended the PGA merchandising show. Said it was really fun. Sold Suck a lot it. of booths out there for our Dallas Golf Expo. Yeah. Go to Dallas Golf Expo. We don't have many left. No, you're running out of time. If you want to get uh, get involved with the Dallas Golf Expo, then you better make it happen here in the next couple of weeks because yep. we're running thin on uh, on exhibitor space. So. Yeah. So it's uh, we have sponsors for that, too. St. Saint Arnold Brewing, Park uh -huh. Place Dealerships, Lockwood Distill uh, Distillery or Distilling? Lockwood I guess it can be either one. And Arcus Golf. Yeah. So go to Dallas Golf Expo if you are interested. It'll be March 22nd through the 24th. And this is the morning after the ticket's 30th anniversary party. I attended that. It was I'm sorry to have missed that. I, You know, I, I, I was almost going to text you and say, you know what? I think you would enjoy this, but... I, I knew I would enjoy it. It's just it's tough when you live in Arlington and you got to be up in Frisco early in the morning for the tee box the following morning. And it's yeah, it was just it was probably uh, better that I got a little shut eye last night. I'll blame you. Yeah, and you watch a pretty good basketball game from what that's I heard. true. Yeah, um, but we'll be here for the next two hours. Lots of stuff to get to. We have <clears throat> the next segment. We'll talk about uh, 
player, an amateur, who accomplished something that hasn't been done in like 33 years. That's amazing to me. Impressive. Very. And uh, and then he had to decide what to do after that because he had a two-year exam. We'll talk about that at 8, yep. eight uh, 10. 8.30, we got some leaderboards. It's one of my favorite tournaments only because I used to wear out that course, Torrey Pines, when I lived there for 10 years. Looking at the leaderboard, you might be like, top 10 if you were playing it it's interesting (laughs) it's not like the farmer's insurance of old it's not flashy you don't see tiger up there he used to wear that place out mickelson um but i still like it uh i remember all the holes and boy some of them were just murder so is that becoming tory pines is it becoming kind of a value bucket list type destination yeah it's 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 uh, i mean i understand like for residents it's like what is it like 60 bucks or something yeah you know what i played it with for how much six bucks six dollars six dollars because i, I think, was a san diego resident i think even for like out of towners i think it's still only like maybe 250 bucks to play which sounds expensive but if you look at some of the other kind of bucket list mm-hmm. destinations your stream song sand valley pebble pinehurst i it, mean they're all so expensive it's now. not as picture so there's a couple places in in california that i would call uh, uh pebble beach light sandpiper is a course in santa barbara that I think is just as good, and it's a tenth of the price. Yeah. At least it was back then. Torrey Pines is not quite as picturesque as Pebble Beach. Isn't Pasa Tiempo supposed to be really good, too? Yeah, uh-huh. But uh, the interesting thing, so they have hang gliders out there. You always see that, right, when they're showing the, the overhead shots. They also have a place called Black's Beach down there. Black's Beach all nude. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, mostly a sausage fest, unfortunately. No, but, uh, I'm surprised you don't get any drone footage of that during the <laughs> tournament. My, they probably Showed do. Up. They just edit. They just keep it for the control room. I don't know. That's kind of dangerous <laughs> if you accidentally cut to that shot during the broadcast. Yes. Worship so, my big wide ass. <laughs> yes, Ty. So, but it's fun. I, I, I have some uh, nostalgic feelings about it whenever I see it every year. Yeah. Um, what else? I think that's about it. Again, we're at Crest Cars today. It's right off Legacy and 121, the Sam Rayburn Freeway. Hey, and even if you're not going to buy a car, at least come window shop a little bit, have some coffee, and come see us. Yeah, absolutely. For a couple hours, so. You can see Kern out here, engineering. Good morning. Faithful as always. Nah. Could yeah. always count on Kern. Yeah. Nah. Pretty reliable. Back at the station, EA, who I guess I missed... A big dance recital. I saw the video of this. I, I, it was, it was more like a, like a, a, a seizure set to music than it was dancing. Like really. an epileptic oh, fit. Yeah, <laughs> sounds beautiful. You didn't get the first part of it. The first part was awesome. They just it's, got the last part of it. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I'll have to go back and look because I left probably about nine ish. Um, got to see everybody. Well, again, we'll talk about that at nine fifteen. I saw, I saw somebody describe the uh, ticket. Uh, personnel dancing on stage as it looked like the release of Windows 95 when Bill Gates right, and right, Paul right. Allen, they were all up there. Just It was just generic white guy dance party. There's no <laughs> doubt, except for maybe Donovan. Who knows? He might have had some he might have had some moves, but yeah, everybody else, no way. Uh, and one gentleman I did see last night, and I can't remember the last time I saw him in person, was uh, one Jacob Dedimore, Deddy. Good morning, guys. How are you feeling? When when'd you leave? Um... I left when they ushered everyone out last night. <laughs> Which was what time? Uh, a little after 10 o'clock. I think that's that's kind of a, a thing over at House of Blues is they kind of they end things relatively early over there. Uh, you so, know what? Not a bad idea. 
Uh, you know, could have gone Nothing longer. Would have been fun. After about midnight. Would have been well. fun. You know, but it, we still had a great time. EA's yeah. EA's word of awesome is doing a lot of work in describing his his dancing <laughs> last night. He's a little, is he overstating it just a smidge? Just a touch. That's okay. <laughs> it's good living in EA's mind. But yeah, it's good to see you, man. It was the first time since uh, the April Fool's open. Yes, uh, I had never. I can't remember the last time I had ever met David Mino in person. Yeah. Uh, it had been forever since I saw Robert Wolanski. Um, it was, I'd never met Matt McLaren and didn't realize he had a tie to golf. He does. So we'll talk about that at 9.15. We'll give you a little peek on what was going on there. All right, let's get this show on the road. This uh, tee box proudly sponsored by your PGA Tour Superstores. Four locations in the Metroplex. And don't forget, if you want to save 50 bucks for doing nothing, go in there, buy some stuff, make it at least $250, which doesn't take much. And you, will, and you mentioned T-Box when you check out, and you save $50 right yes. off the top. Mm-hmm. It's like an instant coupon. All right. Let's get this show on the road. Let's talk about that amateur and that big win last week because I thought some other guy was going to do what he did, and he was going to do what the other guy did, and the other guy was a seasoned pro. We'll talk about all that next on The Little Ticket. David Moore rounds up all the Cowboys news and corrals it into the Ranch Reports. Tuesdays and Fridays at 4.30 with the Hardline. Brought to you by Blaze Pizza, Wild Fork Foods, and Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, The Ticket. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of the T-Box. Rick Arnett, Eli Jordan. We're at a Crest Cars today in Frisco. Crest Cadillac, Infinity, and Volvo. Great models, great selections, and they have some superb pre-owns that you should check out. It's the end of the month, so that's when these guys need to hop on and get their inventory down, and it's the best time to negotiate. So I would come out here. It's right off Legacy and 121, which is the Sam Rayburn Freeway near the tollway. All right, 830, we've got a leaderboard. Interesting leaderboard. Used to be top flight leaderboard. I mean, everybody played in this thing. Now there's some head-scratching names at the top, and... But it is what it is these days. If you're not an elevated event, you kind of get what you get. Uh, and then at 8.50, we'll talk about the very strong rumors. And Eli has some inside info. I've got a deep throat informant, Rick. How about that? I like, I like the deep throat in, informant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll add that in there. All right. <laughs> um, because, too early for that, Rick. Because one day it's never too early. <laughs> Anthony Kim is thinking about making a comeback, and it was the only time I have, even compared to John Rom, that my eyebrows raised. I went, okay, now I'm kind of interested. Other than that, but it's still a, a crappy format, and after maybe a couple tournaments, I mean, that's, I mean, you're you're operating on the assumption that Anthony yeah. Kim may end up with the Live Tour, which. It could be the PGA Tour. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll do that. And then at nine fifteen, we'll well I'll give my uh, impressions of of thirtieth uh, anniversary of the ticket yesterday because uh, both uh, EA and Deddy were both there. So I'm getting up in age. I might forget some stuff, so they can fill in the blanks. But first, uh, one Nick Dunlop. He's a sophomore at Alabama. Mm-hmm. At least he was. He uh, gets into the Amex, and he is 
Like every day he is near the top. I keep on waiting for the, oh, yeah, I forgot who I was, and start pummeling down the leaderboard, plummeting. Yeah. Uh, I will say that, you know, if if you watched this tournament last weekend, it was a birdie fest. Yes. I mean, it was – if you weren't shooting 65 every day – Was it 12 under, missed the cut? Something, yeah, 12 or 13 <laughs> under. Yeah, something like that. Very corn fairy. Wasn't even playing the weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. it very much was, like almost like a corn fairy event. Well, Nick Dunlop, the eventual winner, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. plays his golf at Alabama – Became the first amateur to win on the PGA in 33 years. And I'm sure by now you've probably seen who the last person. Phil. Phil Mickelson was the last one to amateur to win on tour. And I don't think we can overstate how impressive that is, given the level of talent on tour. Not only the veteran guys and the grinders that you see out there every week, but just the number of young, talented players for an amateur to go out there and shoot 29 under mm. and win a PGA event is extraordinary. And he was going up against one Sam Burns, who has won, I think, five times on tour. Played on a Ryder Cup Played team. on a Ryder Cup. Mm. And Sam Ryder's the one that blinked, drank, uh, rinsed the ball in 17, and I think he rinsed the ball in 18. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and Nick Dunlap, he tried to to bring everybody back into it. There was like a – Three holes, on, a three-shot swing. Yeah, number seven Yeah, or he so. doubled, hit one in the water. And so you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah, here, ner- here comes here reality. Come, here come the nerves. And, 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 and even Dunlap said, yeah, I mean, it was as nervous as I've ever been on a golf course. And, I mean, you can see why when you've got guys breathing down your neck that have been – been there and done that and won. I mean, Justin Thomas is in the conversation with this thing. Sam Burns, Adam Hadwin's right there. Xander Shoffley's right there. I mean, so you've got some some big names that are trying to chase you down. Yep. And for him to get up and down on 18 like he did to win was something else. Very special. His family all flew up from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that's always dicey because what, if, what happens if you implode? Um, there's a lot of pressure. Those last, those final rounds, I, and you're trying to get your first one. Man, it is tough to break that seal. And I think we've all, even at the level of golf that we've played, you've probably played in a money game here or there, <laughs> where you know it came down to the last hole, and you might win or lose twenty, thirty bucks. You know, just based off of one golf swing. I can't imagine what it must be like for a 19-year-old that is looking to do something that hasn't been done in 33 years. Well, how about just trying to. Do your personal best, and let's say I need a par in the last hole to right. break break eighty, ninety, yeah. seventy, whatever toughest hole you'll ever play. Right? Yeah. When you when you're standing there in the middle of the fairway and you need a par and you've got 150 yards, yep, it's you can start to feel the baby giraffe legs a little bit and the butterflies in the tummy, and it it it's it can be tough to make a good swing with nerves racing and just bad things start entering your mind. And he's young enough, I think, to where that probably isn't the case yet where but when you get to you know say 35ish instead of focusing on all the good things that can happen sometimes you yeah. automatically default to okay what could possibly go wrong here instead of what could go right there's a lot of time in between shots to mess up your head yes okay so he's the first player to win at US junior amateur US amateur and a PGA tour event while still an amateur and he's the second youngest tour play, uh, winner since World War II behind only one Jordan Spieth. Yeah, Jordan Spieth, that was at the John Deere, right? Yep. The one where he held the bunker shot to... Uh, I don't know. I think that was later. When he fit, when it? he chest bumped... Uh, yeah. Caddy, that was later. Okay. But um, 
Yeah, it's good stuff. So, and I think he's the only one other than Tiger to hold a Junior Am and a U.S. Am mm-hmm. crown. So, so he lost out on a million five, but he also got a two-year exemption. He he got treated. His win gave him exemptions just like any tour player, even if he wanted to stay an amateur. He's got a well, maybe not. He had the opportunity as a pro to have a two-year exemption, get into most of the majors, all the elevated events and all that. Mm-hmm. And as a reigning U.S. amateur champ, he gets in the majors. Right. Except I don't think he gets in the PGA. I think it's all pros. Mm, that sounds right. I'd have to go look at that. And by the way, just because I've got it, several questions about this on Sunday after uh, – Nick Dunlap won, mm-hmm. the winner's share, everything just bumps down a notch. Yeah, second place got the million and a half. Right. I was, I was curious if they just split that money up no. for the purse and just distributed it evenly, but no, it just everything bumps down a spot. So he got nothing. Well, the second place, million which was five. Christian Bezadenhut, he, right. he ended up with the winner's share. So. But didn't get any of the the benefits of winning. Right, yeah. correct. So, which is, it's not a bad second place. No, that's, I mean, it's, that's not bad. So then he has the, then he has to have, the, make the decision, and everybody does. Like, Jordan left UT after his sophomore year. I think he played two years at Texas. And yeah, they had just won a national championship. Mm-hmm. So, strike while the fire's hot. Um, and you and I were talking, and I don't know what the answer is, but, in this day and age with college athletics, how much is NIL money come into play? I don't know how big it is for college golfers. And I'm also curious why he's not allowed to collect a winner's check, given that they are paying college athletes now. And there's, there's an agent. That might change. Uh, it could. There's an agent somewhere that knows the legality of that. But if they're paying football players, if uh, gymnasts like Livy Dunn can right. get millions of dollars in endorsements while they're still in college, yep. why is he not allowed as an amateur to collect a winner's check for an accomplishment like that? It's a great question. It, it, it is. And that, that was the first thing I thought of. Well, I'm like, golf is slow on the uptake. That's it's true. It's going to take a while for them to make any decision. But I can yeah. see that happening. Um, I just don't know. I don't think he – I'm sure – Whoever his uh, advisors were, were saying, okay, this is your potential with nil money, but if you sign as a pro right now, you're going to get all these sponsor ex- endorsements, and you've already yeah. you got a two year exemption. You get into all the elevated events, and, and he's clearly got the game to where yes. he's going to make some bucks. Yeah, he's I playing mean, in a he's playing at the AT and T next week. Mm-hmm. That's his. Uh, he didn't play this week, but so so uh, at the end of the day. What, Thursday he mm-hmm. announced that he was turning pro? Yeah. So he wins on Sunday. He goes back to Alabama. He was actually supposed to play this weekend but withdrew and went back to Alabama. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall. He was going back probably to, you know, uh, drop all of his classes yep. and do all that kind of stuff. And then on Thursday he announces that he is, in fact, turning pro. So He did have to say, I think it was on Tuesday, he goes, yeah, i got to go back to Alabama. i gotta, I got some homework. <laughs> Fat chance on that. Yeah. Um, he's now ranked 68th in the world. He was the top-ranked amateur. But it was nice to see him trying to hold on at the end because when something hasn't been accomplished in 33 years in any sport, it's pretty special. And so Absolutely. it was nice to see. I didn't, I didn't want him to implode. I didn't want him to, you know, rinse about three or four shots on the last two holes, which Sam Burns did. But it was nice to see. And it's, but it, here's what it shows you, like. 
these kids coming out these days. I think somebody just won a uh, corn fairy event or a DP event. Hard to keep track of those. Um, he's the youngest player ever to do it. Uh-huh. So these kids coming out are fearless. They are. They have. Not, they're not intimidated by anything. They just said, you know what? I played with some of you guys. I think I'm better than some of you guys. And uh, what the hell, YOLO. It's uh yeah, and and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about Anthony Kim and uh-huh. his potential return to golf. Yeah, is it going to be worth it for a guy that's thirty eight years old now, knowing that there are so many good young talented players? And like you said, man, they're they're battle tested already. Yep. Because and Nick Dunlap in particular, I mean, I we shot fifty nine at his home course when he was like thirteen or yep. something like. I mean, that's not normal. I mean, this is all the Tiger factor. 100%. But it's, the, there's the, so many prodigies now. Yeah, and the physical fitness is different, and they start hitting golf balls when they're two or three years old mm-hmm. as opposed to 10 or 11 or 12, like you know a lot of the guys in the previous generation. And and I, I wanted to bring this up. You did mention that Nick Dunlap had, had uh, uh, was number 68 on the world mm-hmm. golf rankings. Mm-hmm. He made the biggest jump yeah, was he? In, in history – and since they came out with the official world golf rankings, and I was a little surprised to see he was this low on the list, being that he just won the U.S. Amateur. He was ranked... 4,000th? Yeah, he, he jumped 4,061 <laughs> spots. That makes no sense. If you're the number one ranked amateur in the world... How are you that low? You shouldn't be any higher than 200. I, I wouldn't... Yeah, right? I mean, certainly in, inside the top 500, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't get that. Unless, unless as an amateur, you just don't get that many... Brownie points for doing anything. I guess, but that seems seems low to me for a guy that's broken sixty a couple times already, and you know, yeah, that seems artificial. Playing high level college golf, it's not he's you know playing at some you know small school in the Midwest. I mean, Alabama's got a good program. Yep. So yeah, I I thought that was kind of strange that he was ranked that low, but four thousand sixty one spots. I didn't know there were that many. There's more than you think. What does it go down to? I don't look down. Was it go down to ten thousand, or is there a where do you think you would be ranked in the official world golf ranking? Ten thousandth. Mm, I'm going to say and yeah, more over uh, maybe a hundred thousandth. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess they say if you've ever broken eighty, that you're in the top two percent of golfers. I've probably broken eighty, legitimately. Yeah, I'm mean, think Yeah, we both have. But um, it, there's a big difference between being a scratch golfer and being what these guys are. There's no doubt. These guys are all plus eights, plus nines. Scratch golfers don't necessarily shoot par all that often so all right it is 828 eli's gonna check on that what's the last number what's the last number ranking you can have in a world golf ranking it may take a minute uh that was sponsored by invited golf invited clubs who have a myriad of private clubs not only in the metroplex but around the country and uh, all at a price point and a location that will be near and dear to your heart. It's good stuff. And also Arcus Golf. Arcus Golf has a slew of public courses that you want to take advantage of. And, uh, again, all different price points strewn all around the Metroplex. Go to ArcusGolf.com. All right, up next, let's get to that Farmer's Insurance leaderboard. Some names might make you jog your memory just a smidge. Join us at Mullen and Mullen Injury Law Firm Ticket Stock 2024. Friday night, February 23rd at the Plano Event Center for an evening with Dallas Stars legend Mike Madonna. Brought to you by VisitBigBen.com, the North Texas Boat Show in Louisville, and Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, The Ticket. We'll get into maybe 
for me, one of the most intriguing stories to cir- uh, circulate in golf, probably since Tiger won the Masters, is a guy tr- thinking about making a comeback. Yeah. And it's, it's a name you've heard of. Big time. Big time. But it's been a while. It's been 10 years, maybe 12 years. It's been a bit. Uh, this segment brought to you by your Texas Junior Golf Tour and the city of Arlington Golf Course. I think probably Eli's playing at one of them. Yeah, the old tomorrow. lake. I'm supposed to play the, the lake. lake tomorrow morning, nice. baby. I'm going to tame the lake. Nice. All right, so we got a leaderboard. Farmers Insurance Open used to be a top-flight event. It was typically the first tournament. Once Tiger bagged out of the Tournament of Champions, it was the first event he'd play in every year. Yeah. And so it was big-time anticipation. Phil would be there. Uh, everybody. It, it, was a, it was almost major-esque as far as the uh, field was concerned. Not so much now. It's not an elevated event. Tiger's not in it, obviously. So you get guys like a Steven Yeager, who won a few times on the Corn Ferry. Yeah, he, wasn't he a Battlefield promotion yeah. mm-hmm. Corn Ferry guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's won on tour yet. But here's the thing. Uh, and this you feel is like Jägermeister's missing out on a golden opportunity for a sponsorship there? So I'm watching the Golf Channel this morning. And I guess his new nickname, because he, so what he did, he was one of the worst drivers on tour, they said. His swing speed was like 112 miles an hour. Which is ironic, because that's what happens if you drink Jägermeister. Yeah. One of the worst drivers on the road. So he says, if I'm going to, if I'm going to suck with my driving, I'm going to, why not just swing as hard as I can? So he went through some fitness. He went through some speed training. So he moved his swing speed from 113 to almost 120. So basically, he, he started subscribing to the theory: if you're going to miss fairways, yep. at least miss fairways hitting at 3:30. Well, here's what I found curious: is he also said the harder he swung, the closer his disparity was on his shots, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. I think it would be the other way. I think he'd be all willy nilly and wild, and but he's leading by one uh, over a Frenchman, Mathieu Pavon. Probably not familiar with him. Uh, DP guy. DP guy. And so is Nikolai Holgard, who's uh, his twin brother is contending at the DP event over in Europe. He's got some game. He's only like 22. I don't know. These kids. And they just stripe it. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, good player out of Belgium, um, had a great round going until, I don't know, did you see the last hole when he spun it like 40 yards off the green? Yeah. Oh my gosh, and that kind of and he acted like he something just died. I mean, it's still the third round, and I'll contend, and this is I'll, I'll back this up. I'll agree with what Brandel said. So I've always asked tour pros, would you rather for your first tour win? Would you rather be in the lead? Say you have to sleep on the lead after 54 holes, or would you rather be a shot or two back? Now most pros have told me, no, I'd rather have have the the lead. I think psychologically it's it's easier to uh, chase, especially if you're just a one or two shots back. I think it depends on probably... Remember, first time, first chance to yeah, win. Yeah, if you've been out on tour for a long time, even if you haven't won, it's probably easier to have the lead. But if, if you're one of these guys yeah. that hasn't really done a lot on tour, then 
then maybe I think there's an argument for that. But I think anytime you can have the lead, I think you'd prefer to have the lead. But I guess I I, I do think psychological is trust me in my playing time, playing in match plays or whatever, I am the king of blowing four hole leads because I it's hard to. You don't know how to play when you're when you're trying to protect a lead. You get timid, and you're not playing how you did, how you got to that point, and it messed with my head. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that, and and I think and I think a, a lot of the reason we're seeing some of these young guys that are already having a lot of success on tour is because they just they don't think that way. I think they just play constantly aggressive. They're yeah, they do. Constantly just hitting it right at the pin. Again, another tiger. Another Tigerism, because Tiger would just wail. Um, and, and for the record, uh, this is the final round of the tournament today. Yes. Yeah. This was a Smart. Win- Wednesday to Saturday, because they don't want to compete with the championship games tomorrow for the NFL. So. Smart. I think yeah. they should do that more often. Yeah. Honestly. I and mean, what's the difference? Although, you only have X amount of time in between the last tournament and that one, because if it starts That's on a Wednesday. And they get a lot of sponsorship money for those Wednesday Pro-Ams. Yes. So, yeah, you're... 86ing that more than likely if, if you're going to do a Wednesday to Saturday. So, uh, Ludwig Ober is at seven under. I watched him. Boy, he had a sloppy three putt. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, he was one of like three guys to reach the thirteenth green. It's long. I've played it. It's it's horrible. He's one of like three guys, and some of the worst three putt performances I ever saw because the second one was about a foot and a half, mm-hmm. and the third one. Gosh. Just goes to show, the hole. happens to the best of them. Getting on in two, and bogey. So, uh, Xander Shoffley, he plays, he's from there. He's also at seven under. Tony Finau, seven under. Will Zalatoris, one of only six guys yesterday. They all played on the south course. By the way, a little note for you. So, the cumulative total of scoring the first two days, because they played the north course and the south course. Mm-hmm. North course is easier. The North Course yielded a an accumulative minus three hundred ninety three under par. That's pretty good. South, care to guess? Minus eighty. How about plus three? <laughs> Yikes! So when that's you, a pretty large disparity. You think? And so that was the deal. So whenever I was looking at the first two days, I always looked to see who had the best score on the South Course, because if you don't play well in the north and you got no shot um but that Akshay Batia he's at six under he's playing really well he's this, a good player this is a guy that that blew off college uh, people thought he was crazy weighs like nothing and uh he's somehow found his found his game Max Homa a defending champion he's at five under par um uh, Shane Lowry he is the last player not on the PGA Tour, who's won a pro event as an amateur, 2009. Hmm. Okay. How about that? Well, Triv, uh, Patrick Cantley, 400. Minwoo Lee, who I love watching. This guy weighs, he almost has, he's like a featherweight, but he has some of the highest ball speed of anybody on tour. Yeah. I he, mean, he just. He sends it. He crunches it. So, uh our boy Hayden Springer, three under, made the cut. Yeah, a cover boy. Yeah. That's a good story that you wrote. You should, uh, people have. Get a chance to look at that myavidgolfer.com or find one at your local golf course. Uh, it's really it's a it's it's heartbreaking and inspirational all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nice to see him, uh, local kid. Nice to see him make the cut this weekend. First time on the PGA Tour mm-hmm. making the cut. 
Hideki Matsuyama, he's at three under. Anybody else of note? Colin Morikawa missed the cut. He did not look good. Did you see where Hideki Matsuyama, that was his first ever hole-in-one on tour? I saw that. On Was it Thursday? Yeah, I never would have guessed that. All these guys, when they say it's their first ace, as on many holes. I'm yes, sure he's made, yeah. a, made a handful probably. Just exactly. Just casual rounds or pro-ams or you know, whatnot. But, yeah, the, the first one ever on tour, that's strange to me. Isn't that crazy? It is. Yeah. So, I mean, a guy that's that good, too. I get it. I get it. So, they'll play one more round today. I will check that out. I like the fact that it is, again, as opposed to this place, it is sunny out there. I miss the views from the ocean. And if you get a chance to play out at Torrey Pines, I think you'd like it. I I might play the north course before the south unless you play from the appropriate tees because it will eat your lunch. And they really grew the rough this week, too. Everybody was complaining that uh, juicy, juicy to say the least. All right, 845 on the ticket. Uh, T-Box out at Crest Cars, Volvo, Infinity, and Cadillac up in Frisco. Great deals on new cars. Great deals on pre-owned cars. It's the end of the month. They're motivated to move them. You bet. It was also brought to you by the Dallas Golf Expo, March 22nd through 24th. Uh, Craig and our COO, Laura, went out to the PGA Merchandising Show and sold a lot of booths. So if you're thinking about participating... Uh, go to DallasGolfExpo.com and check more of that out because it's gonna it's gonna fill up fast, sold out fast. All right, up next, the crazy and ho- I'm hopeful true story of Anthony Kim making a comeback. This is the four-time Marconi Award-winning Sports Station of the Year. Although you can't really tell by listening. Sports Radio 96.7 and 13.10, The Ticket. Good morning. It is roughly 8.50-ish on Saturday, January 27th. You have the tee box. I'm Rick Arnett. That's Eli Jordan. We're the two box today because Craig Rosengarten is out in Florida. He's perusing the PGA merchandising show. And he'll be back next week. Eli's going in for a little... uh, a little surgery on Friday, so yeah. he won't be back next week. Yeah. It'd be good for you. <laughs> surgery is good for anybody. No, I mean, what it's supposed to yes, do. It's, I mean, it's not in the serious. It's just, you know. You well, got I mean, every, every surgery is minor until it's on you, you know. This is true. <laughs> this is true. But if it gets to the point where it's affecting your quality of life. Yeah, that's true. Just you want to have a little, little hernia repaired. So, yeah. 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 If you have any experience with that, hit me up on Twitter and let me know what I'm in for here. Well, I, I had a double hernia operation. Uh, operation back when i was in my 20s yeah and th- not much has changed you st- i think they still put that mesh down there to make That's, sure I, I go in for my little pre-op appointment on tuesday where i'm yep. assuming they're going to give me some more details on everything but they were saying about four weeks no lifting anything over about 10 to 15 pounds. Yeah, we're doing core stuff. It's you got to yeah. be, be it, That's kind of what he said. Just mm-hmm. don't do anything that's really going to hardcore activate your core muscles for about Shut four or six weeks. So. Yes, because uh, when it comes to rehab, impatience is never rewarded. No. and Just take it easy. It, it's strange because being in the golf business like we are, we play quite a bit. Yep. And I've played one round so far this year and supposed to play tomorrow if mm-hmm. if the weather cooperates. It's supposed to be nicer, but chilly <laughs> supposed to tee off. It's all relative. True. But uh after that, we've got magazine deadline this week, so I yep. won't be able to get out again and then so I probably won't play for 
close to two months, which is got to get over pure swing. It, it's odd for us to yeah. not play for that long. But he did say I could start like chipping and putting after a couple of weeks. So when I had my shoulder surgery, it, it it helped my chipping and putting immensely. Yeah. That's all I could do because I'm going to have to work on just that because I can't make any full swings for a while. But anyway, uh, I do like Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, because P one Andy Coolidge uh, tweeted to me. Uh, and that's at Arnett Rick or at the Eli Jordan. The it was a Corn Ferry event. I was talking about the youngest player ever to win, right? Uh, Aldrich Potcher. Okay. So that's that's what uh, we like stuff like that. Guys look after us. Mm-hmm. Okay, nine fifteen ish. We will talk about uh, the tickets thirtieth anniversary party. But before that, I think it was on Thursday when rumors started. Swirling that won the, it's kind of like the Amelia Earhart of golf. I think Alan Shipnuck has always referred to him as golf's yeti. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. It's kind of a mythological creature, so to speak. Well, I would say, I would say more Amelia Earhart because he was sighted. Nobody's actually seen a yeti. It's kind of like the Loch Ness monster. True. There's no proof. So he was around, and then he just disappeared. It's one Anthony Kim who went to uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, California guy, went to OU. One of the guys that uh, when they used to have the Nike, uh, what they call that, the oven out in Fort Worth. So Tiger would get fitted there. Brooks Kepka would get fitted there, and Anthony Kim. and those. Yeah, the, all the Nike staff yeah. guys. Uh, Mike Taylor, who mm-hmm. now owns uh, Artisan Golf, out of that same yep. facility. Um fit all those guys, was their club maker, essentially. Yep. And he said, of all the guys, only Anthony Kim Tiger and Brooks hit a ball that sounded different. That was just a little bit, even even working with all those high-level pros, he said when they would hit it, it just sounded just a little different. Yep. He still holds the record for most birdies in a round at the Masters like with 11. 11? 11. <laughs> and he beat uh, Rory McIlroy in match play at the Ryder Cup. He was just scintillating to watch. There was something about him that he had some charisma. He kind of gave it a what the hell, you know, I'm, I'm going for stuff. I'm going for it. I'm not laying up. I'm not doing this. And he was like a savant. I mean, he just played great. And I, I do think that he had some underlying issues with the way his father raised him around the game of golf. Mm-hmm. Being of Asian descent, yep. it, it can be tough because the Asian parents they can be rough on their kids when it comes to whether they want them to become a doctor or learn how to play the violin or become an attorney. Or They take and, helicopter parenting to all yeah, new levels. Yeah, and, and, and yep. they, they make these kids, they make them work really hard on, on Which means you can get burned out. Correct. Right? So Michelle Wee, I think, was kind of like There's that. There's no question. So um, he had uh, he'd won a few times. I think he'd won three times. He was 26 years old. So this is back in 2012. So it's almost 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he withdrew from the Wells Fargo Championship, cited an injury. It was his third consecutive withdrawal and disappeared shortly thereafter. He got an insurance policy mm-hmm. for $10 million. Right. Well, it's rumored to be between 10 and 20 I think. But there was one very important provision. So just just for a little more backstory, yeah, he had a thumb injury, which 
he later said that he played through this thumb injury. Well, when he played through this thumb injury, it created tendonitis in his wrist. So that was every time one. you try and you, you try and adjust something, it's going to affect another part of your body. Right. Yeah. And so that injury kind of hampered him. And then he tore his left Achilles in 2012. And then that's when he withdrew from those three yep. straight events. Yep. And he just vanished after yep. that. Yeah, literally. The only time you'd hear about him is if he had his posse out at some some bar doing, you know, uh, bottle bottle service. Yeah, bottle service and, and, and even, all that even in the era of, like, TMZ and where everybody has cell phones and can take pictures and has video capability, you still haven't seen a lot of photos of him out in the wild. It's it's really weird. I mean, and I, I guess maybe because when you just kind of fall off the radar like that, maybe people don't recognize you out like they used to. It's not, He's not Tiger Woods. He's no. not John Daly. He's not like a guy that if you saw him, you'd be like, hey, that's so-and-so. Like but he's I, kind of inconspicuous. But I guarantee you the insurance company that wrote that policy is, knows where he's at They're all the time. They're keeping eyes on him. You because bet. one of his provisions was, and it was the biggest one, is you can't swing a golf club. Right. You actually have to prove to us that you're actually injured, and that's what the policy, and that's why they're paying. So fast forward, you're wondering, okay, so with Liv, I guess uh, there's a couple guys recently that uh, Shane Shane Lowry might, uh, Terrell Hatton might be one of the guys that right. goes over to uh, Liv. <clears throat> they already had Brom, but I would contend that I don't care what I don't care if Rory goes over there. I don't care if Spieth goes over. I don't care because what they're playing for doesn't matter. In my eyes. Sure. Okay? But Anthony Kim's a different animal because we haven't seen him swing, and he was so good. I And you're playing against pros. You get exposed pretty quick. If your game's just, a, if your game's just off a stroke around, you're getting waterboarded. Yeah. You know? So I'm very curious, but the best thing about Liv is they could buy out that policy. Easily. And there's no cut. That's correct. And so he can make money coming in last. And there's also and a team, team well, aspect yes. of it. So, yeah, you can you can be the D player on your team, Chase Kepka, guys mm-hmm. like that, and you're still going to probably make a decent chunk of money if you're playing for a good team. And who knows, if he's actually still got some game, I mean, he could make some good money on the live tour. I think that makes the most sense for him too. Yep. Um, but over the last 24 hours or so, you're starting to hear more of, well, uh, the live isn't – probably the front runner for his comeback it would be the pga tour and i have a uh, deep throat informant that i reached out to over okay. the last couple of days Unveil. and just kind of asked around uh, this this uh, gentleman's in the uh, witness protection program perfect so. change his and voice he says that he had spoken to somebody the other day it says nothing's a done deal when it came to live pga tours a possibility as well we already knew that yep this same gentleman that i spoke to said that he had actually played golf with anthony kim a little while back. No kidding. Within the last couple of months. Okay. And he said that Kim told him it was about the 10th time he had played in the last decade. Okay. Which, who knows, believe that or not. Right. And said he looked a little bit rusty, but I feel like if he had a month or so to sharpen his game a little bit, he could still still hit it. And your deep throat informant, these are the type of guys that can look at somebody and tell if they have the chops or not. You would think so, yeah. yeah. And he, the one other thing he did say is, I will say that if he does come back, he's probably going to need a haircut. He said that his yes. Anthony Kim's hair is like to the middle of his back now. Wow, <laughs> that that would even be a greater mystique. That's right. right. That's exactly what I texted back. I was like, Dude, if I it's want. me. I'm rolling with the hair, and I'm breaking out the jewel encrusted belt buckle. You and can I'm look like a samurai warrior or whatever, her, letting it rip. <laughs> so the deal with 
now here's the, here's the fun part is yeah you, as you said live is not the is not the guarantee because the PGA tour with some of this other private money with the pip money they could they could figure out how to pay him and they might have to i mean if they want to keep guys going to their side sometimes you just got to you got to adjust well and you also have to realize that now that they have the a, if he came back to the PGA Tour, he would have some exemptions from yes. being a past champion. Right. So there are events that theoretically he could get into immediately. Yeah. And what what tournament would not give him a sponsor? That that was going to be my next point. Yeah. If you're one of these non-elevated events, let's say you're the uh, CJ Cup Byron Nelson, mm-hmm. or you're the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial, which are now no longer they're, they're not elevated events no. like some of these other ones, or this week at Torrey right. Pines, right? You're not calling him immediately and saying. Come yeah. on, big boy. Whenever you want. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to be able to get a sponsor's exemption into probably all of the non-elevated events. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he will draw eyeballs. Because he has built this kind of this mystique that just has followed him around for the last 12 years. And the fact that he stayed out of the public eye. Yep. And my deep-throat informant told me <laughs> that when he had spoken to Anthony Kim, Anthony Kim said that he got rid of all of his clubs like a decade ago. Wow. So he was actually going out, like reaching out to sponsors saying, hey, I, I need stuff. Like and, uh, He said he had about a dozen putters that he had kept. But other than that, he doesn't. He didn't even have clubs. Yeah, he was back when, uh, when he was using Nike. Right. And now they don't. So they don't do that stuff. He, he was apparently having to get on the phone and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, kicking okay. the tires on this thing. I need some stuff." Okay, DT Deep Throat. When he was playing with uh, Anthony Kim, um, did, was he sore after the round? Is oh, I don't know. I don't think he went home with him after. No, I'm just wondering because he goes after <laughs> like like I don't know how much he works out. I don't know. He's like he, you're right. He's a mystery. Yeah, and I, I wonder after 18 holes how he felt and um. You know, in a, a video was circulating on uh, Twitter this morning where somebody said, "Oh, here's a recent video clip of Anthony or uh, yep. Anthony Kim hitting golf balls," and it actually turned out to be a couple years old. But he looks like he's still in good shape; like he's still very slim, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. it looks like he's you know he hasn't gotten chubby or anything. Okay, so I'd imagine he's probably all right uh, again. And 38 is not an old man. Um, I mean, when, when you're it, battling 20 year olds, yeah, yeah you're not, gonna I mean, feel not it. if you've taken relatively good Decent, care of yeah. yourself, then, then yeah, I mean, 38's not Methuselah by any stretch of the imagination, but it is, I mean, it's hard, I mean, to compete against 25-year-olds, yep. especially when you haven't played in 12 years, yep. competitively in 12 years anyway. So, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by this, and you said it, if he were to go to the Live Tour, that would at least get your eyeballs for at least one event. Yes. And probably more than one, and I think it would a lot of other people, too. I think people would that, that have been around golf and are familiar with with Anthony Kim and have watched him play or watched him play whenever he was on tour, I think you're going to get people that are going to seek out the live and go, you know what, I want to see if see if he's got anything left. I think that makes the most sense for him. A, he could get the bag, and I don't know what the live would offer him, but certainly they would be willing to probably cover his insurance policy. Absolutely. And then on top of that, I mean, like you said, no-cut event. Like nope. There's not much pressure there. You can get out there and kind of ease your way back into it, and who knows, after four or five events, maybe you find your groove again and you're competitive on the live. I would conservatively estimate that the media f- – <coughs> The media, the press room, would be three to five to six times more crowded okay. with Anthony Kim playing there, more so than John Rahm. I'll ask you this. The Live Tour is 
reportedly coming to Dallas for an event. Yep. And yeah, we reported it. We we know the, we know the venue. <laughs> we reported it. We know the venue. <laughs> hasn't been totally signed yet, though. It, no, that's correct. It's yep. not it's not set in stone, but it's because the merger hasn't been set in stone. That's yet. That's the thing. It's all stuck. Everything's kind of in limbo. But should Anthony Kim end up with the Live Tour and this event comes to Dallas, I'm there. I, you're going to go. Absolutely. Would you have gone before? No. Uh, eh. Maybe. Maybe. But you'd definitely go if Anthony Kim was in the field. Absolutely. I think I'm with you. Yeah. And, I, and I've been on record saying that this, is, this year I am going to give the live a real shot. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to find a team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it every weekend, just like I do the PGA Tour. Right. And I'm going to dedicate some time to it and see if I can get myself pumped up about it. So let's but say, Anthony Kim would help. So let's say that was the first event he entered. It would be the one that's rumored to come here to Dallas. Well, I think – that one's supposed to be like the team finals at the yeah, end of the, in the season. Fall, yeah, in the fall, maybe September. But let's just say it was, okay? What a tr- – well, I think Annika Sorenstein was easily the biggest local story in a long time. Worldwide interest when she played in the Colonial. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay. Anthony Kim won't be that big, but it will be right up there. You would have national – media flocking to Dallas to cover it. Yeah, ESPN will be there. I mean, yeah. every, every sports yes. venue and whatever. So, uh, yeah, so I'm all in. If he's in and he can actually do something, uh, I would be really deflated if he shows up and just chops it around. I just think that, that when, you, when you're that talented, I don't think it ever – fully goes away you know like i mean it'll it'll require a little a little bit of uh of refining and just a little bit of experience getting back out there and kind of getting back on the horse but if you're talking i mean just look at what tiger's been able to do like through all of his injuries mm-hmm. yep. all of the the personal issues that he had i mean and he still is competitive i mean he still goes out there and makes the cut at augusta every year like walking on a peg leg yep and i'm not saying anthony kim is as talented as tiger but man i mean in his day whenever he was first busted onto the scene there were people making those comparisons man he kind of has that kind of swagger and yeah as we were saying with 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 mike taylor saying man like he's one of those guys that when he hit it it just it was just a little different yeah So, so as of uh even as recent as two years ago, he the last interview you did was with AP's uh, golf writer, Doug Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And um, he said golf was a distant memory t- to me, but call me in two years. Yeah. Not sure yet. So uh, here's the, the weird thing about Anthony Kim. He did not like, when he came on the scene, he did not enjoy the tour life. Yeah. For whatever reason. I he mean, just either Because back then, remember, the veterans didn't talk to rookies. It's not for everybody, too. No. I mean, all that staying in hotels and yep. traveling around and you're never home. Yep. And you're always having it. And especially when you're at that that uh, uh, level of celebrity the way he was. I mean, he was playing in the NBA All-Star Weekend celebrity basketball game. Mm-hmm. And he went, I think he gave Jessica Alba a putting <laughs> lesson like on uh, Jay Leno one night. Like, Good for I mean, him. When you get to that level of celebrity, man, it becomes an ass whip because people are constantly, hey, can I have your autograph? Hey, can I take a picture with you? Hey, you know, you have to do this commitment. You have to do this commitment. You've got to play with these corporate yep. guys. You've yep. got to do the pro-am, and it's, it's a lot. Well, I want him to show up, and I want him to play well because I'm in. the tour needs those kind of names. Just, just Even if it's just that kind of story, like, hey, man, this guy just fell off the face of the earth for a 
a, you know, a dozen years. years. Yep. And now he's back. Let's see what he's got. I'm and, in. And you're right, especially with all the paparazzi and everybody has a cell phone, camera. you got to run into him, but some, somebody's going to recognize him, him, right? Yep, we haven't seen much of him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, me too. All right, so we'll cross our fingers. Nine ten on the little ticket tee box. Eli and Rick and Kern and EA and Deddy uh, bring you award-winning presentations. And up next, we are going to talk about yesterday, uh, last night's event. I was at the ticket's 30th anniversary bash at House of Blues. EA was there. Deddy was there. And we'll give you our account of what that was like because it was, it was kind of like old home week. I hadn't seen people in a long time. Whether you're a day one, P1, or just found out about us, the ticket salutes you for 30 years or 30 minutes. We'll take it. And thanks. Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, the ticket. This is one of the songs I think I can sing. I just turn up the radio a little bit this? louder. Yeah. Go for it. Hello. No. Let her, let her rip, big guy. Yeah, let's go. We've got plenty the floor of is yours, sir. Arnett karaoke maybe, this morning. Maybe, but not yet. Um, this is the tea box. I'm Rick Arnett. That's Craig. Oh, that, no, it's not Craig Rosegard. Yeah, He's not. in Florida. No, no. He's now visiting his dad, mom. They went to the PGA show. He went to the PGA show. He'll be back next week. Eli will be off. We have Kern out here engineering. We have EA on the board, and we have one Jacob Dedimore, Deddy, doing tickers twice an hour. Um, this might take two segments, I'm not sure. So the weather, before we get started, it's going to be 50 days, 61 tomorrow, Eli. I think that's right in your wheelhouse. It's it's good. Unfortunately, we're playing at like 8.15. So oh, yeah, that might be a problem. <laughs> It'll be 61 right as we're probably getting in the car. It's supposed to be hitting 70s Tuesday, Wednesday, and then mid-60s Thursday, Friday, maybe rain next Saturday. So, not bad. I think everybody's got cabin fever. I know I do. You know, it's not so much the cabin fever and the rain that I mind, because we can always use a rain surplus. It's mm. just the gloomy, overcast lack of sun that is driving me bananas. So, a little side. So, I kind of suffer what they call, it's sad, it's called SAD, Seasonal Affected Disorder. Okay. And so, when daylight savings hits or doesn't hit when it goes back to normal and it's dark out early it's dark out when you wake up and it's dark when you drive home i i guess i need x amount of sunlight to feel good we all do yeah so one of the doctors prescribed this thing called a happy light and it looks like an ipad and it sits up on your table and it you can brighten it up to like ten thousand lumen okay and I get up in the morning, get about five, get a cup of coffee. I sit in front of this light for about 20 minutes. And what it's supposed to do, your body is all based upon light and dark. So when it gets dark out, it starts producing melatonin, so it helps you sleep. When you wake up in the morning, if it senses sunlight, then it diminishes the melatonin and you wake up. So they said the best thing to do is to get, if you can get 20 to 30 minutes of sunlight in the morning... You'll be great, but when it's not, when there's no sun, you can't do it. I've done this, and I'm telling you, it helps. Yeah, I'm looking at them on Amazon right yep. now. There's they're not not expensive. No, you can get one for twenty bucks. Yep, they're pretty good. I would uh, I would wholly recommend it if you kind of feel a little dreary when you wake up and it's dark out, and 
And then I go to the gym after that, and I feel pretty good. So there you go. That's my little pick-to-click. Do they use that in Alaska? Yes. Mark that for some reason. <laughs> yes. In fact, I think I think it all started back up in the uh, the Arctic-type regions where it's dark 18, 20 hours a day. Or light. Yeah. 18, 20 hours a yeah, day. It yeah, just, it just messes you up. All right, so that was EA piping in there. Deddy, who's doing tickers, he was at the 30th anniversary of the ticket. It was last night over at the House of Blues. And it was good. I'll have you guys pipe in, too, whenever you feel like. Um, I think, I'm not sure if Gordon was a day oneer. I think he was because I think he did some bits with Skip that didn't work out real well. But I don't know if he stayed on. Gordon in the beginning was kind of, he would kind of just be on the fringes because he wanted a job and, and all that. And finally he uh, latched up. For, you know, he used to do, uh, uh, he used to be the Yuck Monkey, both Musers and the Hardline. Yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he was a day one or he just wasn't on morning drive from day one. Okay. So it would be him, George Dunham, Craig Miller, myself, and I believe uh, Steve Pryor, who's a uh, in production. A.K.A. Cactus. Yeah, Cactus. And even the, though he wasn't here the whole time, Elf is also a day oneer. He is a day oneer, yeah. In fact, that's when I started working at the station. I was doing the bottle rockets with him. Uh, but he left for a while. He went to ESPN or something. So the guys that have started day one and never left, there's five of us. Okay? And it's a quick 30 years. And so last night, I bring my daughter, Gabby. She's a big P1. And she wanted to meet some of the guys. It, it's always weird when you meet somebody that you've only heard and you have this picture in your mind what you think they look like and I'm always off. I'm never close to what I think somebody looks like based on their voice. I think that's probably a tough thing to do. Yeah. To be able to determine someone's physical appearance based on what they sound like. So it's interesting. Uh, Gabby was... Although EA sounds exactly <laughs> like, looks exactly <laughs> like what you would think he would look like. Be nice to EA. <laughs> Um, so Gabby was still in the womb when the ticket started. She got she was born in September of '94, and most of the hosts there probably hadn't seen her much since she was like three or five. So it's always shocking to see somebody grown up, you know. And 30 years goes by in a, in a flash. They're still waiting on getting to see Craig grown up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Craig wasn't there. Uh, got to see. Uh, Everybody that I, I wanted to, that was there. That I mean, everybody showed up that was supposed to, as far as I could tell. And it was good running into people. For me, though, Eli, it was weird because Craig and I don't go to this radio station anymore. We're either doing a remote or we're, work, or we're doing it from our office. Yeah. And so we, I when was seen the last time you were actually in the studio? Have you been to the studio since it's been over there at Victory? Yes, yes, okay. I have. And one thing I don't like about it, and it's not news, is... The equipment isn't top notch, and it's hard to get internet. And, Accumulus and, station, and and quite honestly, the our office, Avid Golf Office, is way closer for all of us. Yeah. So I also like don't it. enjoy the if it's inclement weather or cold having yeah. to park in the parking garage. And it's like a hundred yards. Yeah, and have to walk. Which, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the walking, but if it's raining and stuff, it mm -hmm. stinks to not be able to park. Like you know. Yes. So, but the bottom line is, there were guys. Outside, if I hadn't seen him with a a picture on Twitter or whatever, I wouldn't know what they look. I'd never met him in person. Never met David Mino in person. I don't think. I think I'm gonna uh, say a little over nine inches. 
Is that what he told you when you talked to him? No, he didn't. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't say that in front of Rick's daughter. So, Or maybe <laughs> yeah, I was just... Also probably not true. No. Um, who else that I hadn't seen? Oh, I, I'd never met Matt McLaren in person. I, I think I've met Matt once or twice. I think maybe right when I started doing weekend tickers, I think they think they still had their show, I think. Maybe. But Elf was there. Uh, yeah, met Elf. And right there. Uh, George and Craig were there. <laughs> George and Craig were there. Donnie was there. Uh, Sean Bass was there. Mino. Corby was there. Oh, he's, look, he's looking very Manson-esque. <laughs> he, th- he worried me a little bit. I was looking for a little X Bang on his forehead. You in the shower. <laughs> I wasn't. That was not an X that was on Manson's forehead, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I, I it was, was not. I was trying to be, I was trying to be politically correct. <laughs> yes. Good point. Good point. Good point. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think Corby would go that far. No, I certainly hope not. So I say him, Bob, Dave, and I've come to this realization that the ticket. I'm five ten, so I'm about average height, I guess. Maybe a little more than average. The ticket might have the tallest group of radio hosts in the history of ever. You think? I think. I think almost everybody is over over six feet. Matt McLaren's tall. Bob is tall. Yeah. Corby's my height. Jub's pretty tall. Jub's tall. Uh, David Mino's tall. Yeah, Mino's probably six two. Um, Donnie's about my height. Yeah. Gordo's so I'm pretty just tall. Saying, I'm sorry. Gordo's, Gordo's about six tall. feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's not not a lot of shrimps. Yeah, because usually, usually in in radio, you're like 400 pounds overweight, or you're, yeah, or you're feels, short. Feels like that was a shot at me, Rick. 400 pounds. <laughs> hey, Rick, what? look at him. He's all like, Mister Physical Fitness over here. Yeah. So it was good running into people. It was good running into Dan Bennett, who, uh, who's been with that station for 40 years. He yep. started off with Norm. Amazingly. He's only two years older than me. Did Norm make it out last night? I didn't see Norm. Didn't see Norm. Did you guys see Norm? Uh, we never saw Norm. I didn't, at least. Didn't see Fernando, which not a surprise. He He's recently probably retired. Still a, probably still asleep. He recently retired. Saw Tom Gribble, who works on uh, uh, KSCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he took over for me for bad radio. Um. But I didn't see much else. I didn't see some of the old Star Wars. Like, I didn't see Expo there. I'm not sure they were invited. But <laughs> Expo. Expo. He's Peter Welpton was out there from uh, Kick Around. Who's that? Peter Welpton was out there oh, from Kick yep. Around. Yeah, I bet I've never met Peter in I person either. I haven't seen Peter in forever. Yeah. So it was loud in there. And that was one issue I had. If, if we're all there to schmooze and talk, they had the music blaring. I'm thinking. So we were all upstairs for a while, the VIP. Uh, you could all mingle with everybody, and I met a lot of people's wives and um, and such. And then we were asked to go downstairs to mingle with the P1s, which to me is always interesting because if you're not on all the time, you're not going to recognize somebody by face if you're on radio. And if you, you might recognize them by voice, but it was so loud in there; it'd be tough to decipher. I would—that's true. I was kind of thinking a good idea might have been putting uh, name tags on. Yeah, would would help. I mean, I think most of the weekday talent. I think 
the, the they're people pretty probably, Yeah, they know what they look like yeah. from appearances on uh-huh. Three for All or just, you know, seeing them on the station website or at events or yep. road shows, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, for the weekend people, it hmm? wouldn't hurt. Yeah, it was good seeing everybody. It really was. And we stayed for a while, and then when things went downstairs, we stayed for a little bit, and then my daughter and I took off, got something to eat. But uh, it's a cool place, and it was nice seeing everybody that it had been a while that I hadn't seen. You know, um, I do wish that the people that were there from day one or big, big parts of the station, I kind of wish that exodus that occurred last year uh, happened after the anniversary. Because it was kind of like going to a family reunion, only about half people showed up. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, and it, you know, it is what it is. Sure. People move on in their careers and they have no, I get new that. opportunities. Just, I just yeah. wish the timing was a little bit better. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway, it was good. So, I'll tell you what. So, it's been 30 years. Uh, how about when we come back, we kind of talk about how we got started over there. Because yeah, you are one of 3,000 co-hosts I've worked with on the T-Box. It seems like a lot. Yeah. So let's talk about that when we uh, broadcast from Crest Cars, Crest Volvo, Infinity, and Cadillac in Frisco. That was brought to you by the new 1876 Country Club in Salina. Brand new. It's not even open yet. You can be a founding member. Go to 1876countryclub.com for more information. All right. More uh, more background on the ticket in 30 years. Mullen & Mullen Injury Law Firm Ticket Stock 2024 at the Plano Event Center. Featuring a free concert from the Ticket Time Wasters. Saturday night, February 24th. Brought to you by Macho Self Storage and Terrell Texas Economic Development Corporation and Sports Radio 967 and 1310 The Ticket. All right, 9:38 on the ticket. Got the T box. Eli Jordan, Rick Arnett, Craig Rosengarten will be back next week. He is uh, he was out in Florida checking out the PGA Merchandising Show. So uh, be prepared for that. We have Kern out here engineering back at the station. EA running the board and. Dead Age, Jacob Dedemore doing tickers twice an hour. So we talked a little bit about uh, what the party was like last night. It was again, it was good to see everybody. A little loud for my my taste. I, I have really good hearing, but I have a really tough time filtering out ambient noise. So I'm doing a lot of lip reading, and I don't I don't like to work when I talking to people. Don't like it. So, but that aside. So, Eli, let's start with you. Let's do a little background on how we started there because it's been a, it's been kind of an interesting journey. You started in promotions, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How long ago? That would have been, man, 2004. So Wow, okay. So 20, 20 years. How about that? Yeah. How about that? And you were in product, you were in uh in promotions for how long before you moved about over? five years, and then I did about a year and a half at another cluster of stations doing mm-hmm. some overnight board op stuff and then found my way back on the on-air side. I guess that would have been, this is 24, so probably like in 14-ish. Wow. Something like that, yeah. Well, makes you a radio professional. But it's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah, it hit me the other day when I was thinking about the 30th anniversary of the station. I was like, man, I was like, 
I started in the promo department in two thousand, like late two thousand and four. Wow. So yeah, I'm getting close to like twenty years in the. I mean, if you count promotions, the biz, yes, the business. That, that's but your foot in the door. It is pretty much for a lot of people. It is. Um. Okay. So I think I, I was s- making a juicy like seven and a quarter an hour. When you I- making that much? <laughs> well, it was whatever minimum wage was at the time. I did learn that coming from a corporate background that when you start in radio, you're pretty much poverty stricken. Yeah. Unless you have, unless you have side gigs. Sometimes when you remain in radio, you're still poverty stricken. The good news about Preach. it was you could you could develop side gigs, and use the yeah. leverage the ticket ledger uh, ledger. Leverage the, your uh, familiarity, your voice, or your name, or whatever. And I used to do a bunch of writing gigs. Anyway, so it was the week of the ticket starting, okay? And I'd been wearing out Mike Reiner to get a job there. And uh, I was doing traffic reports on Rush Limbaugh's show on a, on a BAP. And he would never return my calls, never anything. And then finally, three days prior... He goes, uh, well, do you know anything about running a board? And I lied, and I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to start on the weekend, this weekend. You're going to work 6 to noon, Saturday and Sunday. So, all right. Well, the good news is back then we didn't have many commercials, and it was all carts, and it was nothing like it is today. It was, right. It was very analog. <clears throat> but what happened was uh, during that time, Mark Elfenbein uh, he was one half of the Bottle Rockets. He came over, They came over from KERA, which, by the way, Norm did, too. That's where Norm started. And they were doing their talk show, high energy, both from kind of the New Yorkish backgrounds and everything. And I was their board op, and then they had a producer there, Stu Cedar, and did that. And So then it came down to the, every Dallas Morning News writer, it seemed like, sports writer, that was a, that had especially golf, tennis, horse racing, outdoors, whatever. They would get a specialty show. Now, one thing was weird though, because remember when Dick, Randy Galloway was on BAP for years? For whatever reason, the sports editor at the time, Dave Smith, did not want their newspaper columnist to go in and out of breaks. Don't ask me why. Some kind of control thing. So they always had to have a sidekick to go in and out of breaks. Well, it was on Sunday at 11 o'clock in the morning when Jeff Rude, who used to be the golf writer... Any relation to Ravishing Rick? No. Um, he was slated to do a golf show. And, eh, you know, some guys translate to radio, some don't. He wasn't one of them. So he would want to be talking to me a lot. <laughs> Poor guy's just catching strays here. When was Not the last really. time you saw him? A million years ago. <laughs> but... But it, it was what it was. He was talking to me all the time, and I was on the board because he wasn't getting any calls. I knew something about golf. And finally one day they let him go and said, hey, Rick, you want to, you want to take over? And I said, sure. So it was fairly quick. So I went through a, a myriad of, of talk hosts. I went through um, Hank Haney, Sandra Haney, who's an LPGA Hall of Famer. I went through Mike Abbott who used to be the general manager of the Four Seasons, and now he runs Discovery Land properties all around the world. Uh, Art Selinger, long drive guy. Corby. So Corby at the time was producing for uh, uh, Chris Arnold from 10 to noon. Yeah. And at the time, 
as a producer, you, you, we didn't have a lot of on-air. We were way into taking calls, which I'm glad they got rid of that because callers just kind of wear you out after a while. Um, and that's why they came up with Twitter and all that. Uh, so I asked him, hey, do you want to be, would you like to be a co-host? Because the other guys, what, what, like Art Selinger would always make his hay on the weekend. And so I don't like doing walkie-talkie radio. I, need, I didn't want to, I want to be across from somebody, right? So, um, so Corby came on board, and then when he came up, became a full-time yuck monkey on the hard line, um, he goes, man, I got to back, back out. I'm on four hours a day for five days a week. And that's when Craig came on board because I was already kind of starting doing stuff for Avid Golfer. And uh, Craig's been on for 20 years. Yeah. Which is crazy. And a million e-breaks, which is – I will be – Always indebted to him for those because that's I think would put our show on the map. We got a lot of prime time morning drive pub on our like. Do you EA? Do you have the uh, do you have our best one ever? The the anus. The anus. No. Do you have the actual? <laughs> do you have the actual e break? Because that's what put us on the map. I don't and, know what the I can find. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Take your time. And then later. Eli came and wanted to be. When, when did you come on board on on the magazine? Mm, God, probably eight years ago. Probably. Okay, and you've been our editor, executive editor, ever since. And you were doing uh, Country Force with Ty Waka, yeah, Chicken. And then Ty wanted to leave. He was tired. He didn't want to do any more weekends. And you, we felt at that time, why don't you just come on board with us? And then we can rotate because Craig and I never really took any time off the show. And that's one of my biggest regrets. Yeah, and you're working six days a week. Yeah, you know, if you're the Monday to Friday, and then Saturday morning. So yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. So when I uh, don't have to work on a Saturday, I swear I feels like a three day weekend. Yeah, it really After does. Doing it for thirty years. Thirty <laughs> years. I would imagine so. But it's been a fun ride. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't see leaving it anytime soon. I mean, it's not really heavy lifting. It's two hours a week. Yeah. And I, and I enjoy it. A couple of moments, though, that uh, I have to admit. So a lot of times I had to go out and do reporting. And one day, who was the Roy Tarpley? Roy Tarpley was a Dallas Maverick, great player, gotten a whole bunch of crap. Yeah, he ran into some he was a mess. drug issues, I think. So I'm... I'm supposed to go cover Mavericks practice. And I'm out there and <laughs> and I see this guy on the court that I could have sworn was Roy Tarpley. So I call up the station and and a hard line's on. This is when they're on eleven to two. And I said, Hey, I think I see Roy Tarpley. Do you want me to break in and tell the boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get on there and I, guys Roy Tarpley is practicing right now. It was like UA Blob. Doug Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which, Rick. Even more ironic, even more ironic, Roy Tarpley was talking to the media in a different room. Right. That was, that so, was your assignment? I totally clustered that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, But luckily I didn't get fired over it. These things happen. They did. It was very embarrassing. And that was one of the beauty, beautiful things about the ticket. Sometimes the more you messed up, the more famous you became. Yeah. It's like you, there's more notoriety, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was weird. There was one time I was producing for Chuck Cooperstein. And at the time, you know, Chuck is no-nonsense sports. 
East Coast, in your face, that kind of thing. But smart as a whip. Um, so I thought I saw a story where some kid in high school had correctly picked every game of March Madness. Which that's like in the quintillions to it's ridiculous. one. It's like ridiculous. It's impossible. So I go through the normal producer channels. I call up the school. I call up, talk to the principal who talks to the parents who says, yeah, we, we don't mind if he pops on. So Chuck is just, you know, he's a gog over this. And quite frankly, so was I. What I failed to do is vet him better. And so he gets on the phone. The kid gets on the phone. And Chuck goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, look what we have here. We have a guy who's predicted every game correct. You know what the odds are? So how'd you do it? The kid goes, I didn't. I picked the first three rounds correctly. It's oh. still impressive. Impressive, but not, <laughs> but wow. Not, not and one, so I had to, once in a zillion years. I had to eat that moment. <laughs> yeah, I've had some. <laughs> I bet Chuck was real nice about that, too. Oh, gosh, he was just a mess. And here was the craziest thing about working with Chuck. And I worked with, I, I was the oldest producer at the station, so they tended to link me up with the highest, um, highest maintenance host, I'm going to say. Thinking yep. that you can, you can take it because you're a little more mature and you're, right. you're not just going to freak out and leave. I mean, I started with Skip. Yeah. Then uh, I went to Rock. <laughs> I went to Rocco, and then I went to – did I go to Bob? Yeah, then I went to Bob and Dan after that. So I, I, had, uh, I had Chuck. So I had the gauntlet. And, uh, and there became a time, I think it was 2002, I was getting a little too old for that job. It, it, it takes a certain type to be a producer. You're, you're doing all support. And, uh, and some of the things you have to do that, that listeners won't understand. So every So when Dan and Bob – Dan is always big on – on sound, right? So when the Cowboys had an away game, I had to listen to the entire away broadcast on that team's radio broadcast. Yeah. Three and a half hours. And then I had to whittle it down for all the good sound Pull bites. audio out of it, yeah. Then take it to the station. It, it was probably literally six hours of work for ten minutes on air. Yeah, for about three or four yeah. audio clips. Yeah, so I just got burned out, and um, and luckily I latched on with Craig and did that and still kept my hand in the uh, the magazine. But it was a place that was just, uh, it, it was magical. There was there were so many crazy personalities that it just somehow worked, even for some of the guys like Craig Miller, George Dunham, not too many people knew them. Um in fact, the only guy most people knew in town was Skip. He was probably the biggest name, and he left the quickest. Yeah, because <laughs> he just uh, he was Skip. He was Skip Bayless. Still is. <clears throat> uh huh. So that's uh, there. That, you that's my background, and there you go. So now we uh, fast forward to uh, 2024, and uh, the ticket's mostly still intact, which is pretty darn amazing. Yeah. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, Met some P1s last night. There were day oneers that started. They were listening. We used to have a endless loop for the first, I think it was the last two days before we went on the air, and people never turned it off. They yeah. listened to the endless loop. Then Skip came on January 24th at 6 a.m. 
So there you go. All right, 9.51 on the ticket. T-Box, one more segment here at Crest Cars, Infinity, Volvo, and Cadillac in Frisco. And uh, up next, we will mix with, I believe, the tailgate. No, the Funhouse. Oh, it's week. the Funhouse yeah. this week? Travis and Sod. Oh, there you go. We will mix with them next on The Little Ticket. If you've got a sweet tooth for hot sports opinions, stop into the sweet spot with Sean Bass and David Mino every afternoon from 1 till 3 on Sports Radio 96.7 and 13.10, The Ticket. All right. It is roughly 9.59 on The Little Ticket. T-Box. Celebrating 30 years on the air, along with the ticket itself. And uh, as we tend to do, we are at the Crest dealerships the last Saturday of every month. Volvo, Cadillac, and Infinity. We've all bought cars from them, and we all love their service and their uh, follow-up and everything else. And it's the end of the month, and so they have great deals on new and pre-owns. And this segment brought to you by your John Deere United Ag and Turf. You can get 10 to 15% off uh, real grinding parts. They have uh, a local branch and farmer's branch. They also have one in Marble Falls. So there you go. United Ag and Turf. Uh, don't forget uh, Golf Moose. We have a bunch of deals on there. Discounted rounds of golf, including we just put up Sugar Tree. That's doing really well. That's a yep. good one. You haven't played oh, that in a while. Like me some sugar tree. Yes. The Dallas Golf Expo is March 22nd through the 24th, and that is at Dallas Market Hall. If you want to get involved in that, almost all of our booths are sold out. We took it over this year. So I would recommend going to Dallas Golf Expo quickly if you want to uh, secure a booth. And uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors. St. Arnold Brewing, Park Place Dealers, Lockwood Distilling, and Arcus Golf. So there you go. Uh, thanks to Kern out of your engineering. Appreciate you. Uh, back at the station, EA. Handling the board expertly and also uh, Jacob Dedimore. Deddy doing tickers twice an hour. We bring on the fun house. Sod and... Travis Mejia. Travis Mejia. Very <laughs> yes, good. Travis. So I don't think I – did you guys go last night? Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, so I've never met you. you. <laughs> no, I have not met you guys. That's not true. You've, you've met me several times. When? Yep. Uh, a meeting when we meeting. decided we weren't going to have mixes anymore. I've mixed with you. I don't how know how many this? times. This, that, how long the meeting this? was a long time ago. But, I mean, I've mixed with you guys a bunch. Yeah. Well, that's my bad. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Really, yeah, honestly. No, that's how I feel about myself as well. <laughs> so, it's good to have you guys. I'm mixing with you guys. Okay, so <clears throat> I was saying last segment, some of the lowlights of my 30 years at the station, uh, they were all self-induced. But, they, but the time that the T-Box fully became engaged in the t- uh, ticket lore was when Craig... And I were doing something, and this pearl came out, and it the ticket blew up for a long if time. Starts, if you start throwing balls to the point where you're about to hurt somebody, and you don't do anything about it, you're a flawed guy. Yeah. You, I, that guy who was sculling the shots and all whizzing them by the guy's head and everything should have stopped. He should... And it, the anus was on hand. He should have moved. The anus? The anus. 
Heinous. The heinous. I don't think so. The heinous. The heinous is my favorite part. Uh huh. Sports Radio 1310, the ticket on Ennis Radio. <laughs> Many identified oh. that kind of radio and from that, the box one year ago. Yep, that was an e-break of enormous proportions. The Musers played it. Everybody played it. And uh, thanks to Craig, he didn't do that on purpose. Trust me. Uh, the only thing I felt bad about is it was not one of the top 25 moments in ticket lore. I can't believe it, it didn't make top 25. It's a, we're a weekend show. I we're know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, but it, uh, pound for pound, your weekend show is the most <laughs> powerful <laughs> e-break contender of all time. Very concentrated, yes. And so, But that's what did it. That's what uh, gave us prime time. And, and I still listen to it to this day. If I'm in a bad mood or something, I still laugh. And I don't know if I laugh more at my retort. The anus, the anus, or Craig trying to <laughs> cover it up trying to heinous. tap dance and say, "No, no, no, the heinous." He's like, like, "That's <laughs> still wrong, bud. That's it's still so wrong." wrong. <laughs> I will, I will occasionally uh, pop back over and listen to the George Dunham reaction to uh, uh, Jeremy missing, missing the, like, the six-inch putt. Oh my yeah. god! Open. Oh gosh! And that one gets me every time. It's too. Pure joy of a laugh. That was joy, and that and poor Jeremy, he'll never. He'll never live that down. It's still something that whenever I, if I'm ever writing something um, on for my day job and uh, and, and I and I write onus, then <laughs> I'll still have I'll still have people in the comments always, um, you know, saying anus. Of course. I also oh, find the onus great. doesn't really come up that much in conversations. Oh so yeah, I, that well, he should like the only reason why it does for us is because of the anus. Yes, absolutely. I, and I and I do that a lot in my writing where I. I have fun with it for myself like sometimes i'll sneak in a ticket drop or an office yep. reference or something like that <laughs> and i'm just like having fun with myself and then like someone in the comments section figures it out and sees yep. it and the then and th- yeah they're like the anus because you're uh, right EA, you never have to say onus no, you never no, really do never again so ea if you can find the the e-break on precipice oh my gosh <laughs> and that's a daily oh, one as well there's yes. No way that's a word. No way that's a word. And when I'm watching a golf match on TV or something, Jim Nance likes to say that um, I'll be getting tweets. It just <laughs> there's some things that are so in, indelible in your mind, and uh, if you have it, great. If you don't, we'll have to figure it out for another time. We but might be was, having a hard time spelling precipice. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> How many times do you think they're going to lock and unlock this car while we're on the Dude, air? Dude, who's trying to there? steal a car out there? As many Look, as they want. The anus is on you guys to take care of that guy and make you sure he gets in that left car. Of the show and they're going to set off a car alarm. <laughs> How are we That's doing in there, right. guys? No, no precipice, EA. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm getting a so-so reaction from EA and Jay right now. Teddy, y'all think it works? The system says not responding. Who's doing oh, that? Great, wonderful. Someone it, has to be messing with Is this with an EA like drop or something? Oh okay. God. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and uh, send this thing out. What do you guys say? Wow. Funhouse. Mike, Mike Brosen did this. No, Florida. we are going to sign off sadly because <laughs> I don't want to put. What's on the show today? Oh guys? wait a minute! It just it just stopped. Here, real quickly, we've got we're going to talk about the party at ten ten, Luca seventy three at ten thirty, Kings Court ten fifty, title games eleven ten and eleven thirty. It's Sod's notepad on the fun yeah house. baby all right enjoy Happy the fun 30th. house <laughs>